that's a shirt we should make. It's just something like, it should be fill in the blank at the Bev, and it'll be like just attributed to Edwin Gomez. Or uh, blank is the greatest movie of all time. (laughs) Insert one of like 800. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here we go. Welcome, Secret Movie Clubbers, to one of our offshoot podcasts, Defend This Movie 11, uh, where we are going to be talking about the 1980 William Friedkin written and directed movie Cruising, starring Al Pacino and Karen Allen, Marion Ravenwood, uh, although she she has a, a relatively small part, really Paul Servino has a bigger part, but uh, uh, this movie was very controversial even before it came out in the theaters. Uh, Al Pacino plays a New York cop who goes undercover to find a serial killer in the gay S&M underworld of leather clubs. Uh, and it was super controversial when it came out. Over time, a number of people uh, have come out saying that they think it's a great film, uh, Quentin Tarantino being one of the biggest advocates of it, among others. Uh, and uh, if you don't know the Defend This Movie format, uh, usually we do this to have an interesting debate about a movie. Uh, who is with us today before I go on? Hey, it's Alex, head projectionist. Hello, America. It's uh, it's me, your just a good old boy, just rocking here in the chair. Brought my stuff of cruising memorabilia, even though I didn't bring the Blu-ray or DVD. But uh, I'm here. In this podcast, uh, and I'm Craig, founder, programmer of Secret Movie Club. In this podcast, Alex and Edwin, is it fair to say you guys are both fans of the movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I actually, the reason we decided to do this is because several years ago, Edwin wanted me to show cruising. And I went off, off mic when everyone was out about how much I don't like this film. And uh, it felt at that moment the seeds of the Defend This Movie were uh, planted. Uh, I rewatched it uh, to get ready for this podcast, and I found that my views of it have changed a little bit. Uh, I actually find there's some interesting things in the movie, and now I'm ambivalent. Uh, There are still things I don't like, so this conversation uh, won't necessarily be so much a pro and an anti as uh, different points of view on the film where I'm maybe a little more conflicted or ambivalent. I don't think it's a great movie. I still don't think it's a great movie. Uh, but I do find things that I didn't find the first time I saw it. So uh, if you don't know the Defend This Movie format, we are going to do opening arguments, and then we're going to get into a big conversation, uh, and then we're going to do closing arguments. Uh, And uh, Edwin and Alex will be defending the movie, uh, essentially, and I will be uh, the prosecutor. This week's Secret Movie Clubbers, uh, we have one big event. That is Wednesday, July 19th. We are going to be showing a 35-millimeter print of the 80s comedy Teen Wolf starring Michael J. Fox, followed by a live rock concert by the Venice Beach-based rock band Movie Club. Uh, And as always, you can find out about everything we do at secretmovieclub.com. Write us at community at secretmovieclub.com. And uh, you can buy tickets at Eventbrite. Uh, Just go Google Eventbrite, Secret Movie Club. And reviews help us. Uh, We would love them. So if you like what we do, uh, please give us a review at Google or Yelp or uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, Any of those things just help us. Uh, The way that Defend This Movie works is uh, we do opening statements. And... Uh, the we'll make the the we we base this on the Oxford style of debate. So Oxford style of debate, there's a premise. So the premise that we're going to do uh, is uh, 
cruising is a masterpiece. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I want to make. I was going to say something along those lines, and I want to make sure you guys agree with the premise because uh, don't if you're like, no, I don't like that. But I would just say that cruising is a truly good movie. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I do think true uh, that cruising is a good movie, but I also I feel the need to, or the reason part of the reason that I'm here is I really have felt the need to like stick up for it because you have I've heard you on more than one occasion really kind of knock it and I'm like yeah that that's that's a really good movie but you've also shown like movies that I would say are like way more problematic than cruising here get at him, the theater. Get them, Alex. Get them. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would have the same preface or a similar preface as the one that I mentioned in the seven samurai podcast where i am not uh part of the lgbt community right uh you know i'm an outsider looking in i'm speaking to this movie as uh, a film person so i certainly don't want to diminish uh like meritous criticism from people of those from the community of this movie uh, that's not what i'm talking about i just when i watch it it doesn't strike me as uh, I don't know, as like derogatory towards the community. Or towards, I think that's important. Yeah. I think that's that's part of the debate. Yeah. Uh, so so the premise will be uh, cruising is a truly good movie uh, that is not intentionally derogatory towards the LGBTQ community. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. There we go. There's yeah. the premise. So you guys are arguing for that. I'm not necessarily arguing. Um, totally against that as i said i'm now more ambivalent about the movie but i will be taking i'll be sharing my viewpoint and i will to make this pod interesting i will be sharing my problems with the film sure damn it we'll just give a quick plot just so people have it so they know what we're talking about i want you guys we're going to do this all together so cruising is a movie written and directed by william friedkin uh who's most known for the french connection and the exorcist although uh, many people love sorcerer many people love to live and die in la uh, he has been making movies for four or five decades. He was definitely considered one of the 70s, key 70s filmmakers. It was made in 1980. Uh, it stars Al Pacino, Paul Servino, uh, Karen Allen. And it follows a, a New York police officer who wants to become a detective and so takes uh, an undercover job where he has to pose as a member of New York's underground S&M leather gay scene uh, to try to find a killer who is killing uh, gay men in that milieu. Uh, that was the movie. Even before the movie came out, it was hugely controversial. A lot of LGBT com communities protested while they were shooting, so much so they actually had to redub a lot of the audio because uh, they were doing protests with air horns. When the movie came out, it actually was a moderate hit. Uh, it, it, it made its money back and some. Uh, there, it opened to a mixed reaction. Some people uh, thought it was hearkened to French Connection and Pacino's like Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon. Other people thought the movie was a mess, uh, that it didn't really make sense, that it was a little repetitive. Uh, it was, though. It didn't make money. Um, and uh, But over time since then, even though the movie uh, was hugely controversial, it, it has garnered a pretty faithful following of people who really are advocates of it. Edwin Cesar Gomez, opening statements. So I saw this movie when I was about 10 years old, I think. I don't, I don't remember how old I was. I was, in, I was living at my grandparents' house with my father, and, we, and they had a small VHS. From that time... I was really into Stallone, and I, I want to see every Stallone movie because I saw First Blood, and I saw this, this VHS cover, 
And I thought for a second, is I'm, this, I'm pretty sure this is another Rocky movie or something because he kind of looks like Stallone a little bit. And <laughs> to my knowledge, when I, what I saw was, <laughs> oh, man, I didn't know what I was getting into. So I saw a lot of weird stuff that I didn't understand what was happening until I was an adult, like, oh, okay, this is what it is now. And over time, I considered to be a masterpiece. This is one of William Freakin's best movies he's ever done. Uh, I, I saw this at the, at the New Bev on 35, which was the highlight of my film-watching experience. It was such an incredible movie. It has such a great performance by Al Pacino and, and Karen Allen, which I kind of wish she wasn't in it because she's like just there. Uh, Paul Servino also good. Uh, Alex, opening statements. Uh, I think Cruising is a really great movie. I th- actually agree with Edwin. I think it's one of the Friedkin's best. Uh, you know, I love the French Connection, but thinking about it, I probably like Cruising more. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, I 100% agree with that. I, uh, I'm not a member of the LGBT community, so I don't want to diminish any concerns that they have uh, because, you know, where I'm coming from, I just, it's it's not, uh, I'm coming from a cinematic, like, viewpoint and from there, I don't think that the movie is derogatory towards the uh, towards the community, and I don't think that it's designed. To, uh, yeah, whether it does that to certain individuals or not, I mean, I that's a, all an individual thing. But I don't think that it's problematic. No, because half the stuff is are are actually based on true events, uh, because some of the nightclub scenes they're actually owned uh, by crime bosses, and uh, and William Freakin did some research on that, and even the cop is actually a real cop that used to know these places in New York City in those times, so almost. Well, sure, I mention it just because of what Craig said, which is true, that it, it was a very controversial movie yeah. among the community, and I know that Friedkin actually was, I think, banned from the bars that they shot at after mm-hmm. the movie finished. Was he frequenting the bars? I, th- I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, he did. I d- yeah, okay. <laughs> he, 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 he dressed up all in letter just to, you know, see what was up, what, what was going down, you know, get like uh, for preparation for the movie sure i mean good for him don't ask your actors to do something you wouldn't do yourself uh my real like main impetus for being here for wanting to be a part of this conversation was the fact that i know that cruising had been this kind of infamous movie for you where it was just something that you just rejected so singularly and like just refused to play i think i know that there was like a a, an incident where edwin snuck the cruising trailer into like a pre-show oh yeah for i think for the safety brothers that you got according to connor you got very upset about yeah so like i knew it was this this controversial huge movie for you but i'm like uh, we i've projected really like problematic movies that like i know we've shown them before so it's i i I was just was curious about what it was about cruising that was over the line for you versus like patrick still lives or you know heavy metal or something Mm -hmm. yeah well let's talk about let's talk about just so people know so in patrick still lives uh which we had a a group improv there's a sequence where a woman's violated by a uh, like a poker a fire poker poker and killed yeah Uh, it's like an italian giallo uh, we we screened the movie because it, it was so outlandish. And well, ridiculous. sure, yeah. I mean, I know there's that context to that, but then there are there are no, other. No, no, no. I'm too. not yeah. defending. I mean, yeah. th- that scene is offensive. Yeah. The, 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 I'm not. And, and then uh, heavy metal, the early '80s animated movie where there's a lot of objectification. Of, sure, sure. And, and uh, well, and there've been other movies that you've had real issue with. Uh, yeah, I mean, The Quiet Man is one that I like to pick on. I know that you really love it too. Uh, but the sexual politics, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I guess just in the vein of like Patrick still lives, heavy metal, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there are a number of... Oh, more. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're not coming to me, but I know that there are others that we've shown. That, we've talked about that. Yeah. You said, oh, this was not for me. Yeah, yeah. There were a number of Fords you didn't like. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, they suffer from similar issues. But so for I guess the reason that I'm saying it in the first place is just what is it about cruising for you? Got it. Yeah, yeah the, and by the way, uh, and we're going to focus on cruising, but I think very important point. Why is it, it, if I could just tell me if I'm hearing this right, why is it that I'm showing other movies and I'm aware they're problematic? Yeah. Oh, Sleepaway Camp was another. Sleepaway, right. Totally yeah. problematic. <laughs> Has a reveal at the end that is actually as sort of uh, transphobic, you could say. Yeah. Um, so question, why Why am I okay with that? And why do I have a resistance to showing cruising? Yeah. Okay. There we go. So I will address that. Um, okay. My opening statement to the premise that uh, cruising is a truly good movie that is not really anti the LGBTQ community. And um, I would say that now that I've seen it a second time, um, my reaction to it is I still don't actually think it's a great movie. Um, I'm not even sure, frankly, it's a good movie. Uh, but I actually think it's an okay movie and an interesting movie. And I would say I don't think it's anti-LGBTQ. My opening statement will be this, which is that ultimately I think the movie uh, raises some interesting questions that it doesn't actually really explore all that well. The The number one thing is I actually think it's pretty lazy when it comes to the murder mystery. I find the movies a little repetitive. Uh, when you look at a movie, say, like Silence of the Lambs, which is a totally different film, uh, again, about totally different things, but it's about a serial killer who uh, has um, trans issues. And they're not really, tra the trans community has nothing to do with this movie. This is the S&M gay leather scene. But um, I find that Silence of the Lambs, uh, every scene is interesting. Clary Starling is solving a murder. Uh, every scene progresses another scene. This movie, I was like, it's really repetitive. It, it's, uh, he gets the assignment. He goes to a gay bar. Someone else gets killed. He goes, he meets with Paul Servino. He goes to Karen Allen. I'm having trouble. He goes to another gay bar. Someone else gets killed. He talks to Paul Servino. So I found actually that the screenwriting, I, I, I wish Friedkin had not written the screenplay. I don't, I don't even think Friedkin would claim that he's, he's a great screenwriter. Um, that would be one of my things. What I think the movie is, is this idea that uh, Steve Burns, played by Al Pacino, really uh, is unsettled by the job. He says this numerous times. He tells Karen Allen, like, it's really getting to me. And I think the movie is meant to be this exploration of a man who, in having to go into a scene that uh, he hasn't been in before, we don't know, uh, is, is dealing with questions about his sexuality, uh, questions about being gay, not being gay, questions about uh, who he is and the police and violence. I think a lot of interesting questions are actually raised in the film, but I feel like they're very lazily dealt with. Um, I would also say that Friedkin does a thing that I don't like, and I'll, I'll get into it, which is that he's clearly trying to mess with our heads in the movie. Um, the killer is played by a different person in each killing. I, I actually did research into this. 
the killer, and you don't really get to see the killer. And then as the movie goes on, he makes Al Pacino look more and more and more like the killer until at the end of the film, the question is raised, is Pacino the killer? Which to me is like the Blade Runner is Harrison Ford a replicant. Harrison Ford played it as a human being. He understood it as a human being. And Ridley Scott, after the movie, thought it was more interesting to show him maybe he's a replicant. That's totally valid. Ridley Scott can do that. But I think it goes against how Ford was playing the part and how the, the, the whole thing was conceived. This is just me. A lot of people would take me on for that. And I think, you know, Pacino himself said that Friedkin gave him no direction. And uh, Pacino said he was very, he had no idea how to play the part. Um, he was very confused about who he was supposed to be, what Friedkin was trying to say. And I think that reads in the movie. I think, I think Pacino's, the way he plays it, you, you don't know, like, you can tell that Pacino doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. And so I just think there's, um, there's simultaneously Friedkin is trying to mess with your head a little bit about who the killer is, but I don't think there's a very rigorous filmmaking. But I do think uh, it is lazy. I do think it's lurid. And I do think it, it, it plays like a slasher film. And it doesn't have the rigor, uh, which I'll get into, of other movies that have tried to tackle equally controversial subject matter. So that's my point of view. Let's jump into the debate. Hit me. I, I can rebuttal, I guess, either of those points about how you didn't like the structure or how about how you felt it was lurid. Um, I'll start with, I guess, the structure. Um, I can see why you would find it repetitive, but I guess I didn't find it repetitive. I felt like there was something new gained every time we see like a similar scene like that. Um, for me, it was, you know, Al Pacino gets the assignment. He goes into these gay bars, but I feel like every time he's going into the, he, like, he feels like he, like, okay, I'm undercover. Like I belong here, but he still is like sticking out like terribly. So he'll go, he'll like, get a little deeper into the scene and then he'll go back and he really feels more confident, but like he's still in, you know, a, an environment where he doesn't belong. And I guess actually that can tie into what you might have found lurid about the film. And I, of course I can, I'm, you know, no uh, disrespect to how you felt about it, but to me, it read less as like luridly gazing at this like subculture and just more of Pacino. I think we're supposed to, like feel kind of with him that just we're not in Kansas anymore. Mm. And this is just, this is uh, we're a stranger in a strange land. It's not bad necessarily. It's just the fisting scene specifically that you had mentioned, I think is like in his third trip to the bar. It is. Right? It's, it's, it, I had remembered it being earlier in yeah. the picture, but it's, it's like a, in the middle. Right. The so it's of. actually interesting because I remember that was a, something that you had mentioned one time before. So when I was watching the movie again yesterday, I was, I guess trying to pay sharp attention and the fisting we see the guy Pacino comes in and he he looks at it and it almost strikes him as something new like uh, another reminder that this is not his world he is a fish out of water but then you know he takes drugs and dances with that guy and he's getting really into it and we see the fisting again and I feel like probably the suggestion is that it might not look so bad to him anymore uh, which I thought was a really interesting character beat or moment. Because uh, I like you, I also I love the, the exploration of, you know, is he repressed uh, homosexual feelings? Or, you know, is his the fact that he could be a killer have to do with that? With his, you know, I guess what 
the uh, original what he pointed out to the killer as like his original mo was his like maybe self-loathing or whatever uh so that's interesting that it might be present in al pacino and i don't think that that i guess that scene was like hollow or unnecessary (laughs) to me it worked as a character moment i am in the same way that i don't think you're a huge and and again i'm not just correct me but you're you're not a huge de palma fan no right and what (laughs) edwin you knew this yeah and i would say um i'm i'm very torn on De Palma because there are De Palma movies I love, and I've said this many times, Hi Mom, Carrie, Mm. Blowout, Untouchables, Carlito's Way, Scarface. I love those films. But then there are movies of his that I think are just him being kind of skeezy and really luridly gazing at women and having women make out. And then he's trying to say that it's artistic. And I I just, I'm like, I I, I agree with you. Absolutely. I I call shenanigans on that. Um, the, the, with Friedkin, Probably the one Friedkin movie I unabashedly love is French Connection. Mm-hmm. That's the movie I unabashedly love. And then I'm a pretty big To Live and Die in L.A. fan. Um, and I really like Exorcist. But uh, And I think he's a very good filmmaker. And I need to see Sorcerer, too. Yeah. Um, still yeah. haven't seen Sorcerer? I need to see it. I, I may love it. So I, I just want to be very clear about that. But um, I will notice personally Friedkin using devices that to me feel like afterthoughts. Where I love filmmakers, where that was baked into the movie, they had thought about that, and they had they it had been part of their preparation. So to give you an example, um, if you watch his editing in the movie, he will sometimes reuse shots from previous clubs mm-hmm. in other sequences because clearly he wanted to create something that's going on in Steve Burns head, um, and you can see that he's doing that. And then he does this thing where. And this was intentional, so to Friedkin's point of view, but the cinematographer talked about how they were all confused. He had um, the first killer kill this guy, whoever the first victim is. Mm-hmm. Then he had that victim play the killer the next time, and he had a new victim. Then he had that victim play the killer the next time. And and I and what that's doing clearly is to disorient you. And yeah. then he had a totally different guy voice that. Yeah. But to me, I'm like, Okay, so what are you saying? <laughs> you know, like what, that, that. Yes, that you're you're effing with our minds. That's an interesting thing where we're going to be unsettled. But an example of where that's been used effectively is in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, which is almost certainly where he he took it from. Mm. In the shower sequence, it's clearly a female who approaches the um, the shower curtain, mm-hmm. and then later it's played by Anthony Perkins. Spoiler by yeah. Norman. Um, the, uh, in Inception, uh, which is a movie that I, I, I have some problems with, but I do like Inception. There's the whole question about whether Leonardo DiCaprio is dreaming or not dreaming at the end. That's set up with the spinning top uh-huh. and it ends on a cut. You don't know if the top falls over. Yeah. And that to me is satisfying. Oh, question. Is it a dream? Is it not a dream? This was baked into the screenplay. The, the Steve Burns being the killer doesn't make any diegetic sense to me. Other than uh, Friedkin thought, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to develop this over the movie. But, uh, you know, Al Pacino never acts, in, in, in my opinion. I think it's totally valid to say he's unsettled and he's questioning his sexuality. I think that's even the most interesting part of the movie. Yeah. Um, but, like, he's not set up in any way, shape, or form as a serial killer. Well, sure. And at and, and, and any point in the movie. So for the film to then be like, question, was he the killer all along? You know, and then he, and then I'll shut up. 
But they do this thing where they they supposedly solve the murder, mm-hmm. and then uh, they show him walking into a gay bar. And uh, do you remember that yeah. S and M leather? Uh-huh. That's clearly a shot from earlier. In yeah, the film. I think it was identical. But I, yeah. I mean, that felt to me like again Friedkin messing with us. I don't think he was trying to fool us into thinking it was a new shot. I think he felt comfortable with the audience recognizing it as one we had already seen, but just to extrapolate meaning from that. But why not have a new shot so that we have more uh, of an understanding of what he's trying to say about Steve Burns? Well, I think that using the same shot of who we, at the beginning of the movie, saw as the killer walking into the bar, and now it's Al Pacino draws a, you know, a, a parallel between the two. But do you think he's? Do you think Pacino's set up in any way, shape, or form? My interpretation to be a killer. Yeah, my interpretation of the movie isn't necessarily that he is the killer. Uh, I mean, I think there are multiple ways that you can interpret it, and that being one of them. But I wouldn't subscribe to that one personally. Uh, I don't don't know if I would have a concrete answer. I mean, I kind of like that it's open ended, even if I don't have an answer of my own. But uh, I mean, I also kind of like the suggestion that they got the wrong guy and the killer is still out there because a lot of the movie is about the police you know only having to deal with this because it's like an election headline yeah you know they've got the like democratic convention coming in it's making the papers but ordinarily they would never care about this Mm. and so I, i thought it was interesting that it seemed like they might not have gotten the wrong guy, but the case was closed anyway. Or I might, did I say wrong guy? But they might not have gotten the right guy, but the case was closed anyway. Um, you know, that's a point I was going to make is that if this film feels critical of anyone as a group, it feels critical of the police. As like I said before, half the stuff that I'm aware of are pretty much based on actual true events of like of these S and M club, you know, and stuff like that. Just uh, and also. I, I do think Al Pacino's the killer. I mean, he that roommate's dead, and he hung out with him a couple of times. So, I mean, they set that up pretty well. Oh, sure. I mean, I guess in that interpretation, it would be not necessarily that he's the original killer, but that he I, murdered that guy in the same fashion. Yeah. Maybe staged a copycat, uh, a copycat crime, which is uh, an interesting interpretation. I don't know if that's one that I would reject necessarily. Yeah. yeah. But you know, when watching the movie in the, in the theater... Um, and and to Craig's point, and yes, uh, I did notice this time that there were multiple. There was multiple different persons playing the killer, each different kill, which I uh, which I told a friend out there like that's 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 a different guy each each time someone is killed, and uh, and, and it is a hundred percent freaking playing with our minds because to keep us like who's the killer? Who's the actual killer? Where is he? What's the killer? And um, and even though they caught the guy, I mean. I mean, he, he does have the whole full outfit, and he does look like he's someone that could kill somebody. Plus, uh, he talks to a, a a fake father who's not really there because his father passed away or something like that. So that kind of raises some questions sure, as well. Sure, it adds another wrinkle. Exactly. Sure. But to me, I it's, it's just brilliant storytelling. And the way it freaking just messes our minds thinking, like, who is the actual killer? That's probably the smartest thing he's ever done. Keep it on our toes. Like, keep us guessing, you know. Get goals, go back to the movie more and like do more research, like see <laughs> where where Al Pacino does or where the killer does. You know, just I, I think it's 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 a level of filmmaking to say I'm gonna mess with everybody's heads, I'm gonna ask all these questions, but not really know where you're going with it, uh, which is how it feels to me. Which is just more mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask a bunch of questions and I'm gonna do a bunch of head effery stuff 
and everyone's going to be like, what was that? Versus somebody who, uh, a David Lynch, for example, uh, who does a lot of things that mess with your head. He clearly has a take on what's happening. He has an idea, but he leaves it for you to interpret. I, you know, one of the things that was interesting to me is Roger Ebert wrote a review that I actually found I was in a lot of agreement with. He gave it two and a half stars, and I'd probably give the movie two, two and a half stars. And he said that, um, and this is important, that Friedkin shot 40 minutes of footage that had to be taken out. Mm -hmm. uh, Oh, yeah, and then... That would have gotten the movie in NC-17. And in the 40 minutes of footage, there was actually scenes that implied even more that Pacino was getting involved and having active gay experiences mm-hmm. uh, while he was while he was doing it, which maybe I think, and what Ebert said is uh, something to the effect of the problem in excising those 40 minutes and then the problem with the way the movie is constructed is that it asks questions, but it doesn't have the bravery to really get to the heart of the question. And so in the end, and he feels that Pacino and the way that that role is played, you're confused and it's a cipher. And I feel the same thing. I mean, I feel that Pacino is probably as an actor a little freaked out by the role. Uh, and maybe he took it because he like wanted to put himself in a. But I, I don't I don't feel choices being made. I don't personally feel like the way the movie is edited. I don't know if he I mean, he huffs amyl nitrates and he dances. Yeah, yeah he dances like a madman. It was awesome. That's like one of the best scenes in the movie. Like rocking out, man, just dance like a madman. But it could be argued that he never actually has a gay experience because when you watch the film in the movie, he's always turning people away. The whole time. He's always like, the most you see is he's tied up that one time yeah. when, when they break in. So I just think that if the movie is bold because it's asking these bold questions, it doesn't, you know, you didn't have to have a gay sex scene to do that. You could have had Al Pacino. As a writer, I could have written a scene where he's sitting down with uh, his girlfriend, where he's sitting down with Paul Servino, where he's sitting down with a fellow cop, where, you know, I, I think movies like Dog Day Afternoon doesn't have explicit gay sequences, but it is about a gay relationship and a guy who is bisexual. I mean, sure, fair enough not to begrudge you of your feeling. I actually like the fact that Pacino plays his character kind of like down the middle, confused, because I think it adds to the dichotomy of not only could he be the killer, could he not be the killer, but also, you know, is he, uh, like, really just repressing his gay feelings or is he just getting too deep into his undercover work? Uh, you know, who is he really? Right. If he, do, you know, he doesn't even really. It's almost like, <laughs> I mean, it's almost like how Werner Herzog had Klaus Kinski yelling and yelling at the end of A Gear of the Wrath of God. <laughs> Until he was too tired to yell, and he was just like muttering under his breath, and that's the take he used. I kind of feel like, I mean, maybe I'm giving Friedkin too much credit, but he kind of achieved the same effect with Pacino playing his character, not really knowing who he is, mm. because it, it, I think it makes a stronger character. But, but you bring up a really great point, which is that a, a movie I love that I think Edwin and I weirdly are in agreement on is I love Bad Lieutenant. Um, sure, yeah. Abel, yeah. Abel Ferrara's Bad Lieutenant. And I think that there, I think, and Herzog, I mean, I love Agira, Wrath of God, probably my favorite Herzog movie. Um, I, I love Fitzcarraldo, too. Those are probably my two favorites. But, um, That's the best movie we're talking about. They're great. They're great films. But um, nevertheless, in that movie you're citing, Agira, at the end, I feel something very concrete about, about the folly of ambition. Um, in this movie, 
Two, like Karen Allen is putting on the leather at yeah. the end. And I'm like, what, what is that saying? I just, it, 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 for me, I, I don't feel uh, that, I don't feel that joy of, wow, I want to think about these questions. Like what you just told me in the hands of someone else, I want to see that movie you just pitched me. The, the movie you just pitched me about, is he more troubled because he's going too deep undercover? Or is he more troubled because he's having to deal with feelings? Or is it a mix? Of, that sounds like a fascinating film to me. I don't feel like that was the movie I saw. Okay, I mean, I guess that's probably just very different. I, I feel like I got a sense of that from the movie, for sure. Yeah, me too, Alex. Me too. Um, I wish I had seen the Sidney Lumet-directed version of Cruising. Because that, yeah, that's it's, called, it's called Prince of the City. <laughs> it's called Prince of the City. I mean, hey, yeah, I love Sidney Lumet. But I think Friedkin did a great job. And I also don't want to be a total Friedkin homer. I, you know, there's actually one film that I can point to that I really detest of his because, specifically, it's problematic. Uh, called Killer Joe. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Killer Joe. Yeah. It, it's a movie that repeatedly turns sexual assault into a punchline. Yep. Uh, and it's like it's like supposed to be a dark comedy, but it's really just about like this like uh, horrible abuse that just happens all the time. I do want to say, and I've told this story numerous times. William Friedkin, just so I'm on the record for this, uh, I had a club at USC called Screenings, and he came in to speak about The Exorcist, and he was the nicest man. I would I would be so grateful to make one movie as good as French Connection or Exorcist, or To Live and Die in L.A. And the odds that I will are almost nil. So this guy doesn't have to prove anything to anyone, number one. Number two, he came in, uh, and although he called me Chris the whole night, <laughs> which I always did, kept rubbing my shoulder and being like, good point, Chris. Was did like, he know that it was not your name, or was he just messing I, it? No, no, I just think, uh, you know, he came in to talk, and I just said my name real quickly when I introduced myself right outside the door, and he was just like, he heard, I said Craig, and uh, he probably heard Chris. And, sure. Uh, but but it didn't matter. I mean, he was he was he was a mensch the whole time. Well, sure, but I guess he's just he has this reputation for messing with people. Maybe he was messing with you too. Could have. I didn't feel that. <laughs> he told great stories. Sure, sure he told sure. an awesome story about getting Mercedes McCambridge drunk <laughs> to do the voice and exercise. Oh yeah, yeah. I I did. I was. I actually thought one of the problems with the movie is like the supposed killer is coded as being into musical theater, as a lot of them are. There's a lot of like, oh, you're gay if you're into musical theater in right. the thing. And I was like, come on. Like the, the Some of the representations of gay guys in the film, I felt would be if you were a gay, a gay man, you'd be like, come on, buddy. Uh, and also, too, the one character who I loved, who I was like, oh, here's a gay character. He just lives in the building. He's writing his play. Uh, he has nothing to do. He gets brutally murdered at the end of the film, like brutally stabbed. Uh, and Al Pacino, so, Pacino, man, Al Pacino did it. Or the roommate. I mean, that's nah, that can't be the roommate because he obviously loves the guy so much. Why would he do that? Did you hear them? Although, yeah. No, what mean, are you th talking there's about? a lot did of evidence to point to the, the roommate. The roommate. Yeah. There's evidence to Al Pacino, but there's evidence to the roommate. Too. I mean, I mean, come on. They have, they have a full-on domestic fight through the walls, and the guy talks about how this guy's abusive. Yeah, and he's worried about him coming back. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it. also Pacino probably enraged that guy when they had their altercation when the, the when the guy wasn't home. And so my my thing is that I would have liked a movie in which, um, and again, not that you have to please every constituency, nor should you make movies like that because those movies don't work either. But Friedkin had in his script a guy who lived in the building who was just uh, like a writer mm -hmm. and uh, they go out for coffee and Pacino mm -hmm. and this guy seem to have a, a good relationship and he's just a guy who lives on Christopher Street. 
Um, and I was just bummed that even this dude uh, somehow falls into the cycle of you enrage a boyfriend or something and he might like kill you. we can sort of like bring this home and make final point and closing arguments. I want to be clear. I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood. Um, to your points, before I rewatched the movie, I did run off at the mouth uh, a number of times in, in, in the secret movie club theater about how much I disliked the film because I thought it was so luridly gazy about uh, the S&M gay subculture. And in rewatching the film, I've reevaluated that and and felt no it's it's really more this kind of gritty police movie uh that's raising interesting questions about uh you know it, but i don't think it's i don't think it's really good or fully successful that's been my revision yeah yeah so i, I just want to say that i'm glad you guys had me rewatch it because i now don't i don't think the movie is anti lgbtq um I think it's more what you said. I, I feel it's more edgelordy now. <laughs> and I just don't know that there's, it's more, I don't know that there's tons of substance behind the questions that are being raised or a rigorous pursuit of that. Uh, the let's Anything else we want to say before we go to closing statements? Anything we haven't touched on? Um, I will, I guess, concede that I think the, uh, the subplot with uh, Karen Allen could have been expanded a little more it's a little rusty out because no i wouldn't take it out i mean i would she's not make it larger well i mean she's not really doing anything she's just there i mean like but sure yeah so i would make her do something like what there's like nothing to. no i'm I'm with alex i mean the 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 movies work based on contrast so those scenes it, it is a waste of karen allen because those scenes could have been him if as a writer, those are scenes where you could have just shown through action, Pacino and 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 Friedkin does in his way, which is the sex gets rougher, yeah. And then Pacino doesn't want to have sex, yeah. Then they break up, then he comes back, yeah. But it's all a little like rote, yeah, or a little like rushed, like through the numbers, as you just as you pretty pretty much as you just said it is kind of how it happens in the movie. I would maybe make it a little more like real people. Any any other things you want to say before we go to closing statements? Well, I think it's really freaking best movies ever done. I think you're wrong. Everything about you said. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I don't care about your feeling for French Connection. This is like the best thing he's ever directed, especially in the crime underworld films. And also, uh, yeah, and yeah, that, I just want to put, put that in your <laughs> face. I have not conceded. I'm I'm still fighting this fight. Uh, it is truly one of the most best films of 1980. Al Pacino gives a hell of a performance. Paul Savino is awesome. Karen Allen is okay. Uh, the soundtrack is tremendous, right? Is awesome. By Jack Nietzsche, actually, who put it together. Yeah. Oh, he F- did? Yeah, famed, famed uh, music impresario Jack Nietzsche. Oh, that's good, good. Good for him. I didn't hear a score in the movie, but... No, he put together the soundtrack. Oh, he put together the soundtrack. Okay. Well, and I think wrote some of the music. But. Well, the, 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 the soundtracks are amazing. It's awesome. You know, especially the last scene where we get the it's so easy part, and it reappears in... <laughs> and Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof, which is awesome. Really, freaking the best film he's ever done. In yeah. Your face. I also, I guess, not to end on a concession because I still do back the movie. I, yeah, I, I'll also point out something that I guess is just maybe worth mentioning. Um, I feel like the scenes where Pacino is going out undercover, you know, while they serve a narrative purpose, I feel like they also have a stylistic life of their own. Maybe. 
I mean, I maybe I'm just saying this because the movie is also kind of like a Jalo film, but it's oh, like yeah. it's not like it's not unlike the I guess like stylization of like the no, a hundred percent feels like a Jalo movie for sure. Well, yeah, for, but I was gonna say the 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 vivacious or the the vibrancy of the like Pacino undercover scenes don't necessarily feel unlike maybe the like stylization of the neon uh, girls' school in like Suspiria or something, mm. uh, where it's like it's it's visual. Uh, sustenance it's it's you know oh they have a for there's definitely a look yeah when he goes into these s&m leather clubs uh and like you you were talking about i think in the elevator earlier today uh it just looks like a 70s 80s movie yeah yeah i mean i love it that word. i love the the cracked wet streets the, oh yeah like the, linoleum floors of their offices the old beat up everything also the use of the color blue by the yeah way. yeah i mean it's it's got a great beautiful i think aesthetic to it which is not to be uh ignored it's just uh, since we haven't mentioned it uh closing arguments edwin and alex masterpiece <laughs> true masterpiece <laughs> the french connection i just want to do that to spite you craig that's it that's what i wanted to do i mean i get why you're not into it i am happy that this helped i guess maybe clear up some of the issues that we had regarding whether the movie was like uh, problematic uh, in terms of its portrayal of the, the community uh, like from a moral or ethical standpoint I still I think it's it's in the pretty much the right maybe it has some a few dated issues like you said the uh, the queer coding in musical theater and such but I think ultimately seems a little lazy yeah uh, you know it's it's a blemish but it's not like an unforgivable blemish to me uh, I still think it's a great movie. It's one that I can watch. You know, weirdly, it's a really tough movie. It's really brutal, but I feel like I can watch it, I don't know, with some frequency, just because I think it's, it is, it's it's great. Uh, so uh, I'm happy to have talked about it, I guess. But it, 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 I still felt like when I was four minutes in a club, just like these tracking shots of, of, you know, fellatio and fisting and and anal sex and and music. And I was like, OK, I got it. I got it. I got it. And then it kept going. And I was like, I just think that that Friedkin's just showing us these shots. And that that didn't change. And and so I actually w was a little bored and I, I, I had the opposite reaction of you. This is why I think it's a mediocre movie. And I was like, oh, come on. And then I was like, ah, oh, another club. Great. <laughs> And he's I do undercover, and, man. He's undercover. And I actually have to say, I don't like the murder scenes. Uh, I think that's intentionally so. But I was just like, there's something lurid and slashery. And what I wanted to say is that I asked some people in the the gay community. I shouldn't say LGBT. I asked some some uh, some guys in the gay community, and they were like, ah, oh, you know, that movie's just a slasher movie. They were like, that's just like that's just Friday the Thirteenth. And I was like, oh, that's kind of how I felt about it. Not good or not bad. It's just kind of like a slasher, right? And they're like, yeah, I don't, they were like, what they told me was they don't feel offended. Like they have to be like, that movie is hateful, but they don't think it's a great movie. Yeah. And they were just like, they just saw it as a, as a slasher. So I thought that's interesting. Ultimately, and I'll end here. Ultimately, I think it's a slasher that has some interesting questions that it never follows through on. Yeah, fair enough. It's actually funny that you say that because I tend not to really like slashers, like straightforward ones, like Friday the 13th, but I actually really did like this. And, and I think I, I watched it with the same mindset as you, thinking, okay, well, Craig, you know, really has a problem with this movie, so I'm going to, you know, give it my undivided attention, see what it really is. 
it was just at the end i was like nope still rules <laughs> there you go uh i will say maybe maybe to this point I now am open to, to screening it if ever there's a series uh, where I could see it, it having Over. a place. Um, Over. Because uh, I have before, as I think you guys know, I've occasionally uh, programmed movies that I'm not a fan of that uh, people wanted to see because I want to be very clear. Secret Movie Club isn't about my taste. Secret Movie Club is my... Sometimes it is. Oh, no, Sometimes for, it is. I'm not trying to run away that... I program movies that I love. But what I'm saying is my vision for Secret Movie Club is a democratic representation of what makes cinema great. Yeah. That's really what I, I believe in democracy and I believe in cinema. Yeah. Uh, and so if people are like, I love movie X, and I'm like, well, I don't really love movie X, but 50 people have come up to me, and they, well, then we're going to show movie X. So I'm now open to showing Cruising, even though I'm still, I still don't think it's great. But I'm now, whereas before I would run off the mouth, like never. <laughs> now I'm like, no. I, I can see us programming that. Yeah, in, if we in do context. that, we get co-programming. <laughs> sure. You got it. You can even introduce it. Good, good, good. You, you, you don't need to be there. Just let us handle it. We'll Just give me the keys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and wait outside. Uh, you can write us community at secretmovieclub.com. Find out our programming at secretmovieclub.com. Go to calendar. Get tickets at Eventbrite, Secret Movie Club. And uh, we would love reviews. They would help us. They'll, they'll help us reach out to new people. And uh, the point of these defend these movies um, are to get you to watch them and come up and make up your own mind. So please watch William Friedkin's Cruising starring Al Pacino. And, and uh, coming soon to the Secret Movie Club Theater on 35mm. And see what you think. All right, guys, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Craig. Yeah, Craig. Love you, family.